My friend, if you are receiving this transmission, that means you are alive. You might be surprised to hear this, but I am alive too. I guess we can call it even. A lot has happened since we last saw each other. The man who hired you is still here, and his ranks of ex-Imperial guards have grown. They have imposed despotic rule over my city, which has impeded the livelihood of the Guild. We consider him an enemy, but we cannot get close enough to take him out. If you would consider one last commission, I will very much make it worth your while. You have been successful so far in staving off their hunters, but they will not stop until they have their prize. So here is my proposition. Return to Navarro. Bring the child as bait. I will arrange an exchange and provide loyal guild members as protection. Once we get near the client, you kill him, and we both get what we want. If you succeed, you keep the child and I will have your name cleared with the guild. For a man of honor should not be forced to live in exile. I await your arrival with optimism. A long time ago in theaters far, far away, four nerds got swept up by one of the greatest pop culture waves in cinema history. Now, as adults with a lifetime of fandom under their belts, they get together and discuss the mythology, characters, and business of creating Star Wars. Turn up your headphones, dial back your sensibilities, and join the wretched hive of scum and villainy as we take the low road to resistance. Episode 7 of Force Insensitive, a Star Wars podcast. And on this episode, we are going to be breaking down Chapter 7 of The Mandalorian. Now, whew, we have, uh, there's only three of us here, but uh, we, we lost one after a seven-hour marathon of talking about Rise of Skywalker. So, Hey, it's me, Alberto. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Millennial Falcon checking in from another body. <laughs> yes what is this one of those like freaky friday situations it's a uh he, he learned how to uh to force dimensionally channel from the uh rise of skywalker he'd rather not talk about it but i've definitely been uh in alberta oh boy <laughs> oh wow well happy happy life day to you sir <laughs> I heard I heard a million screams as if everyone turned off their podcast player at once. <laughs> and Alberto screamed in pain. <laughs> and oh, Alberto's going. <laughs> so we did. Uh, we are down one this week. We do, but we do have Mars, who who apparently. Hey guys, is, I'm sorry. I'm is, sorry, I missed the uh, long one. Is inhabited by Alberto? Apparently. That's okay. <laughs> Oh wait, uh, real quick, Mars. You haven't seen Rise of Skywalker yet, right? I haven't yet. Uh, okay. It's, it's, so it's a tradition between our longtime friend of the show and uh, you and I's brother, Tiny White, uh, to kind of try to go together. And um, uh, Tiny White um, has like made himself the busiest person on earth um, between professional, uh, semi-professional fighting that he does now. Apparently, um, being on a board of directors for some charity organization for the world's greatest town 
and Wait, are you uh, friends with fucking Batman. Yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> it's outrageous. Like I don't, you know, like we've been playing a chess game for forty three weeks. So it's uh, it's, first it's of all, not easy. If anybody wants to complain about Robert Pattinson playing Batman, the fact that if Tiny is now playing Batman, this might be the tiniest Batman in existence. Oh, that is true. I don't know about that. Uh, I, I ran into a mutual friend of ours, and I guess Tiny's been choking brothers out to the left and to the right. So I guess that. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. I guess he's, <laughs> he's the motherfucking and, skeletal samurai. Yeah. And Andy's been doing the competitive martial arts fights, too. So. So, and just to give uh, some setup here, so we are actually recording this episode on Christmas, which is probably right. no, on Life Day. Life Day. Life Day. I'm Come sorry. On. So, yeah. you know, this is probably not the best idea, but we, you know, with the seven hour show that we did over the weekend, it was difficult to find some time to record. And we wanted this to drop prior to chapter eight coming out. So we, uh, we jumped on here. Mars is actually cooking up a feast right now. Oh, it's crazy! My life. I mean, Wolfie, you're you're missing it this year. You know, uh, right now I'm I'm uh, cooking scrambled eggs. I uh, finished pancakes a few minutes ago. There's a giant turkey in the oven. Uh, I did stuffing. All, all, all stuff I would love, Mars. Right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a. You got any calamari flan on the stove? Yeah. You're not selling me I here. Have, <laughs> I have a mutual friend coming over um, and making a bunch of vegan stuff uh, as soon as I clear out and clean up. So, okay, we'll send some uh, to me. Yeah. Yeah, I will. I will scramble eggs and meatballs for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. And, and by the way. Rocky, uh, what the heck? My 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 favorite Auntie Linda is here, so you have to keep it PG thirteen for me, you know. But, yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, I'll try. Yeah. <laughs> You're asking a lot. Oh, yeah. Oh, we're also recording this during the day, which is which is the first time. Which is weird, weekend. right? Yeah. yeah. yeah I we're also recording like, this I'm talking in a situation that finds me similar to Rocky. <laughs> what naked, stoned, and happy? All right. Good yeah. on you. So we, we're going to try to get through this one relatively quickly because we will be doing uh, Chapter 8 in a few days, which obviously will tie into this. And also, I wanted to ask if Mars had seen Rise of Skywalker because uh, now we know uh, no spoilers. So, oh, fuck, so, so Rock, yeah, keep it, keep it under wraps here. Uh, so we're going to be talking about Chapter... I can't curse. I can't talk about the most recent movie, G. <laughs> Dude, me and put me in the corner. We'll censor you like we did the first couple episodes. <laughs> well, there you go. That that's probably a good idea. Why don't you just put one steady fucking like a like a, a EKG death monitor in the background where I can't be heard, and it's just like the flat line in the background. <laughs> All right, <laughs> that'll work. I'll have to do that in post. But uh, we're going to talk about Chapter Seven, The Reckoning, and this episode initially dropped on the uh, Disney Plus streaming service on December 18th, a couple days early. And we talked about that last episode. But yes, this dropped a couple days early, maybe for a couple of reasons. But first and foremost, they probably didn't want it to release on the same day that Rise of Skywalker was in theaters. Uh, but there may be some other tie-ins that maybe we won't mention. So, uh, but, yes. uh, but this... God uh, damn it. I know, right? But this... Uh, <laughs> But this episode is 41 minutes, and it is directed by Deborah Chow, who we found My out girl. recently, Rocky. Yeah, you have a connection to Deborah Chow, sort of. Yeah, actually, the uh, little local online newsletter from the, the town I live in uh, actually released uh, that she went to uh, high school here. Just a few blocks north of here. Yeah. So uh, that was very interesting, man, because uh, she's definitely directed my two favorite episodes of the show. Yeah. 
And this one was also written by John Favreau, and it's I mean, we know the cast. I mean, there's there's the only new person that we that we get in this, or yes. I should say main main uh character is Giancarlo Esposito, who plays Moff Gideon. So we'll be talking about that a little bit later. But Imperial Hermanos. Yes, exactly. <laughs> So, and this episode is, so far, if you look at all the episodes, the highest rated episode out of the seven so far. Is it really? Yeah. It, the Reckoning? Yeah. And that's just, once again, wow. I'm, I'm just going by IMDb ratings just because, you know, trying to cons- stay consistent with, uh, with you know, the way we started off by doing them. And the runner-up right. is, is uh, chapter three, The Sin, and then chapter one. So, those are the the th- three most uh, popular episodes so far. So yeah, well, three should be number one. Period. End of story. That's <laughs> all. I, have, I have spoken. Uh, yes, this is the way. <laughs> <laughs> this is the way. All right. So at the beginning of the episode, as we played in the intro, we have a proposal from Grief Karga, who basically, um, you know, contacts the Mandalorian, sends a a, a, a hologram out. What do they What do they call him? Rock. Is there a specific uh, name? I forget. It's, yeah, I think they're just called hollow transmissions. But. Yeah, so it's been a, send him a hollow transmission just so he could uh, kind of give him the the lowdown of what was going on. And the client is uh, basically they're not going to stop until they get this child. Right. And and so he. Which I also, uh, by the way, yeah. I get really excited when they do those because I feel like it was just like a really throwaway piece of exposition. The first one that we ever got. So yeah. the fact that that becomes such like a a big piece of mythology really makes me happy. Yeah. So we got you know we, he basically lays lays it all out and says you know hey like come bring the child we'll use him as bait as you know as you heard in the intro and so Mando knows that this is what he's got to do. I mean like they're just going to keep coming for him and well this- cover 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 your aunt's uh, earmuffs on your aunt there Dynamo because I'm just going to say uh, when you start an episode where you have to talk about, you know, Yoda masturbating. <laughs> what? <laughs> They're using baby Yoda to bait out the, the guy. Oh, They're Yoda masturbating. And it's, oh. it's just, he's a child, for fuck's sake. <laughs> wow. I feel dirty. I didn't even tell Did it. you get bit by a Michael Raven shadow? That's a low-hanging fruit there, Uncle. <laughs> hey, man, you're expecting a lot from me. We were out till 4 o'clock in the morning partying, dude, so, you know, give me a break. And a couple of days ago, we were up till 4 o'clock in the morning uh, podcasting. <laughs> yeah, this is not hour eight of that. This is not what we're doing. We're just not tailing in on that. Yeah, yeah. I haven't looked at how long that thing was. How long did it go? Six hours and 47. Are you fucking kidding me? No, sir. I am not kidding you. I I, I bear the scars, sir. Would you like to see? I just want to go on record for everybody that's been complaining about me on shows for years. That was six hours without me. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You were there in spirit. We channeled you a couple of times. Yeah, and if uh, I think what we should do is if anyone gets through that fucking episode, they should get some sort of reward because that's... I was about to say, we need to give some gifts to anybody who actually can fuck it, and we'll have to quiz them yeah, <laughs> to exactly, make sure they're not yeah. lying. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, if anybody gets through all of that shit, man, we should we should have a giveaway. <laughs> <laughs> I think I need a medal of fucking honor for being involved, quite frankly. And then I was left to my own devices for 10 minutes. 
Yeah, we, that? yeah, we could have longer than the movie twice. Yeah, we right? could have watched the movie two and a half times, basically. The show was longer than the saga. <laughs> Almost. Yeah, it was one. It, um, yeah, no, it was. <laughs> It's insanity, dude. It's insanity. Yeah. And then that one guy, who was the guy that posted on the Facebook page? It was like, yes, please post the insanity. I was like, dude, fuck it. or idiocy. Please post the idiocy. I was like, dude, idiocy doesn't even begin yeah, yeah. to explain that show. <laughs> <laughs> so in get back to uh, chapter seven because we're trying to, you know, trying to trying to keep this on on track here. Chapter seven. Yes. And so as soon as Grief Cargus sends this uh, the hollow transmission. Uh, Mando knows he needs to assemble a team, or he needs some yes. backup. Yeah. <laughs> so he goes back to shit. I'm forgetting the name of the planet that uh, that. What was that? The same planet? I wasn't sure. I thought so, but yeah, it was the same planet the car was was on. Yeah. So the, during episode four, the um, sanctuary. That yeah. was that. I think I'm almost positive. What's up? That was the same bar, right? Like where yeah. you found her? Yeah, 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 so. yeah. Anyway, yeah, I can't remember the name of the planet's name either. But anyway, yes, and this made me very happy as soon as he went to her first. And, and this was cool, too. It was like you'd never really seen this sort of uh, technology in Star Wars, really, where they were tethered together when they first panned on the scene and Kara is tethered to this big British yeah. Zabrak, by the way, which – got us all excited in the house here when it was a big Zabrak she was facing off against. Yeah. But, uh, they were tethered by that little laser grapple thing that was really neat. Yeah. And, and the way that, you know, basically when you give up, you submit by turning it off. So turning it off. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of a it cool like little visual. A, too. Uh, it was like a science fiction death match. Like it was pretty cool. Yeah, it was like Thunderdome Star Wars yeah, style. M- MD- MDSW, Murder, Death, Star Wars. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so we do have a clip about, uh, so after the fight, Kara obviously wins the fight, and she starts collecting her, her winnings. She choked him out with the damn laser thing. That was also yeah. very interesting. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was very cool. And then uh, Mando shows up immediately after the fight ends and, and talks to Kara. Looking for some work? It seems like a straightforward operation. They're providing the plan and firepower. I'm the snare. With the kid? That's why I'm coming to you. I don't know. I've been advised to lay low. If anybody runs my chain coat, I'll rot in a cell for the rest of my life. I thought you were a veteran. Come back soon. I've been a lot of things since. Most of them carry a life sentence. If I so much as book passage on a ship registered to the Republic, I'm... I have a ship. I can bring you there and back with a handsome reward. You can live free of worry. I'm already free of worry. And I'm not in the mood to play soldier anymore. Especially fighting some local warlord. He's not a local warlord. He's Imperial. I'm in. I love how he appeals to her. <laughs> yeah, right? You get to kill some more bucket heads. All right, let's do this. Yeah, I'm in. <laughs> yep. So yeah. I was very happy the way they brought her back. And like I said, during the fight, it was really, you know, she was really manhandling that Zabrak, and that Zabrak was like a monster. So, uh, yeah, they set her up once again to, you know, we know we know the shit's about to go down. So this whole team assembly episode is fun. Yeah, and at this point, they, they both head down. I don't remember why they, had, they went down into the um, – 
the, the lower level of the Razor Crest, but they were down there kind of talking about the plan. And then we see uh, <laughs> we see yeah. the child <laughs> poke his head down. Yeah. And, yeah. and he kind of overhears what they're Again, talking about. Again, keeping with the theme of making this motherfucker adorable every episode. How did they you, do this? You know, you know what was neat too? There was a very cool meta sort of thing that I, I really liked. So if, you, if you've seen The Magnificent Seven, there are a couple characters that have like a history with each other, but you don't know what it is. Like they kind of track each other right. down. And, you know what I mean? This was neat because this was almost like where they had kind of cribbed from Magnificent Seven they went back to when they were putting the team together, like, and it was like a matter of like, oh, well, this is how these guys know each other. Right. Yeah, I thought that was neat. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. No, no, Movie that was sorry. 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 Yeah, That's that was... what the show's for, dumbass. <laughs> Happy life day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Are you get, I hope everybody got their lumpies. <laughs> lumpies in their uh, in their lumpies um, in their stocking. In their stocking, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like teeth in a hairball. Oh. Know, it's, it's like it's like a mop in like uh, those vampire teeth that gave you an overbite. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus! So, um, so at this point, I had wondered because all of a sudden, very shortly after this, uh, the Razorcrest is is has quite a bit of turbulence, and they have yeah. to go up, and the child is is trying to fly the ship now. Did you guys think it was because he heard the plan? Like maybe he's a little bit, maybe he understands more than we we were led to believe. I'm starting to get that vibe about the child that he actually understands more about what's going on than yeah. is led on. Um, I don't know. He's only a few years younger than me, and I don't know shit about <laughs> shit. <laughs> but yeah, I was curious because you know he 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 poked his head down, overheard, and then all of a sudden he tried to like steer the ship away. So. You know, that was just my thought. I wonder if that's what we're led to believe, or is he just being a fucking nuisance, you know? Mischievous, yeah, just yeah. being the mischievous child. Yeah. But, you know, once again, this sort of ties in, you know, everybody calls him the baby Yoda. I'd like to refer to him as the child, but fucking, uh, yeah. it's kind of that, uh, you know, when you first encounter Yoda on Dagobah, he's like the crazy old man creature thing that's living there that's, you know, kind of mischievous and fucking... Not yeah. being direct, so it kind of leads me to believe, like, if he is intelligent, he's hiding it behind the "oh, I'm just a baby." Yeah, and that could be because you're you're absolutely right. I mean, if you know, we all remember Empire when we met Yoda, and and he was completely downplaying uh, what he right. was, and and you know, so I I would not be too surprised. I mean, we we know that that this race ages differently. But, right. but we don't know what their mental development is like. Maybe he's a lot smarter than than we're led to believe, you know. And he's that, just, right. and he's just downplaying it, you know. Maybe that's well. That said, he definitely seemed to not not be able to understand that uh, Carl wasn't hurting him when they were arm wrestling. True. You know, yeah. so it's 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 hard to tell. You know. Yeah. True. Well, maybe he's just C blocking the Mandalorian, but either way, C <laughs> <laughs> blocking. I, I like that. <laughs> yeah. PG thirteen episode. Yeah, exactly. So at this point, once once that happens, uh, they they know that they need someone to to keep an eye on the child because otherwise, you know, something something bad could happen. So, uh, right. so at this point, we have a clip to play. We need someone to watch that thing. Yeah. You got anyone you can trust? 
and of course he does have someone he can trust and that would be as yes. we we knew his name but we never heard it spoken in the series uh, but we'll find out in a few moments that he is going back to Quill and uh, he wants to recruit him because he trusts him who arguably I just made the comment because I was kind of rewatching it when I was trying to help you find some timestamps plus I wanted to refresh myself because it's been a while since I've seen it um, the, if all the times Nick Nolte has been nominated and won awards, if he doesn't get something for fucking Quill, dude, there's no justice in the galaxy. Man, <laughs> this character is one of the greatest characters Star Wars has produced in a very long time. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, I mean, I don't know if streaming uh, shows are, are up for awards, and I'm not saying. I mean, he, he has a pretty, in the grand scheme of things, a pretty bit role. Uh, but you know he's been he's been great and and it's but it's, it's a fucking well. memorable role and it's given us one of the all time quotable Star Wars lines. Golden Globes. Does the Golden Globes do them? They do yeah. uh, streaming. Okay. Yeah, because uh, Netflix and the more people who do, the more places that like rebel against it. So I, I feel like yeah, you know, eventually will. I mean, like Netflix is as an outside the industry thing, but I think now we'll see a lot of those things fall because oh, really Disney slash Fox are obviously very in the film industry yeah. things. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Fox old uh, you know, studio era money. You know, it's not being you know, so you know, 20th century Fox. So uh, I have the feeling that we're going to see a lot of those those very greedy, contrived uh, not very art Concerned award prejudices start to fall by the wayside now that yeah. a, a film in, entity is, is in the game. So, pro, prolific is prolificy a word? Being prolific in making original pro, content. Prophylactic, you mean? <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> that's P, yeah, that's the, PG 13, right? Yeah, I hope so. Prophylactic? <laughs> Do they live in condominiums? <laughs> Uh, but yes, yeah, so that's what you're saying. Is basically the more the more content that's being put out and consumed. And I, I think it. So if it was only Netflix and Hulu that were essentially things that were created as streaming services, now that we have, I mean, Hulu is owned by them too. But now that we have an old studio system era entity in the streaming service game. I think that we'll see, you know, it's people be like, to it. yeah, yeah. To, you know, like, well, I mean, they can't, you know, like, how can you acknowledge seven, like 40% of Disney and 20th century Fox if they're putting, you know, if Disney well, is putting put all the eggs in that basket. Let's put it this way. If HBO is collecting awards for, you know, things like Game of Thrones and, you know, Sopranos and whatnot. It's just that, that it's on it. TV. Like, that's the only, right. that's like, the, that's their hang up that it has. But what and, I'm saying is Mandalorian yeah. has beat Mandalorian has beaten Stranger Thing numbers. Right. You know, but they so. didn't, they've never but like there are no with the exception of Golden Globes, which is a you know, a, a multiple it's a lot like the BAFTAs, I think. It's a, like a multiple um medium award thing. Like the right. people who like the Emmys, as far as I know, and the Academy. And a lot of uh, things like that do not acknowledge, uh, not even cans. Cans won't let like like show shows that were made by Netflix, movies rather that were made by Netflix. Um, you won't get 
um, you know, uh, they won't acknowledge things that are generated for streaming services as yeah. television and their television awards. Uh, you know, I think yeah. that it's kind of um, funny because like it used to be, you know, TV wouldn't get any accolades from anything film worthy. And now we're at streaming, won't even get things that are accolades of television worthy. I, and I have a feeling that that'll change, especially with, like, you know, Marty Scorsese is now doing, uh, you know, he did The Irishman and, you know, and things like that. As more high profile right. people jump onto these streaming platforms, you know, I think we'll see less yeah. of that. So I agree 100%. Right, right. Right. So, Again, added credibility. Yeah. Right. But back to uh, Quill, we, you know, he, he talks about uh, seeing the child again, and uh, we have a clip. It hasn't grown much. I think it might be a strand cast. I don't think it was engineered. I've worked in the gene farms. This one looks evolved, too ugly. This one, on the other hand, looks like she was farmed in the Sido caves of Nora. Mrs. Cara Doon, she was a shock trooper. You were a dropper. Did you serve? On the other side, I'm afraid. But I'm proud to say that I paid out my clan's debt, and now I serve no one but myself. So there's some interesting stuff in there. Firstly, no. as perverted of not myself, I would just like say, go quill with the fucking trying to get Kara to say, yeah, baby. <laughs> I, I'm curious, is, is that a reference that anyone understands? I think he said the Sido Caves of Noro. I'm not familiar with that from anywhere. I don't know if it was made up for the show or not, but you know, I, it, you know, it definitely comes across like you're the beautiful sunset on the ocean. Baby. Yeah. <laughs> those, those are the gene that they make Levi's. <laughs> San Francisco goes by another name intergalactically. <laughs> Obviously. So, but the interesting thing there was he talks about, you know, it could be a strand cast and you know, so that is sort of leads to the the whole theory that that the child is a clone. Correct. But Quill sort of debunks that in a sense by saying, "No, I've worked in in you know in in some of the the gene farms, the gene farms and this is not a clone. He's he's a bit too ugly. Meaning it's he's not like per like perfect engineered. Like engineered, yeah. yeah. So because if they can engineer the genetics inside they're definitely going to make them more attractive on the out yeah although it's funny because everyone thinks baby yoda is perfect but <laughs> you know sacrilege as if people raised up and formed another rebellion to take down disney for saying baby yoda wasn't cute <laughs> if he's the ugliest one they got then they're they're on solid ground son yeah no yeah no kidding so I thought that that was kind of an interesting, uh, you know, an uh, interesting remark there. And, you know, because uh, who knows? I mean, w in one more episode, I don't know if we're going to find out, you know, more about the child. Uh, maybe there'll be some some cliffhangers there. But, you know, I assume we'll find out I think out we'll some get more. a revelation and a cliffhanger all in the same episode. There'll yeah. be a big revelation to satisfy everybody and then a cliffhanger to make it go, we're going to have to wait a year for our Fuck you. I know, right? <laughs> So, yeah, so I thought that was kind of an interesting thing. And then next thing that happens is all of a sudden in strolls IG-11. Would anyone care for some tea? Please lower your blasters. He will not harm you. That thing is programmed to kill the baby. 
Not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. Yeah, that was that was not expected. I thought we might see it, but not in that context. So when he came through the door, I was like, oh, fuck yeah. Of course the Ugnot repaired him. Yeah, because, I mean, we've been talking about that. We had a feeling that IG-11 was going to make a return, but we weren't sure how it was going to happen. And I think I thought that this was a, a great way. I don't know if it did. It, do you know if anyone predicted this? I don't think anyone predicted this. Nobody predicted that it would be tied to that, but it made total sense the second yes, he walked through. Absolutely. And he, he had uh, reprogrammed him to basically do household chores and serve tea. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, and, you know, a little bit later on in the scene, one other thing, and that's the key moment when he says what else he's been programmed for. Yes. And, and, and that was, let me see. I'm trying to, oh, I don't have a clip of that, but that he basically says that that's when, that he, he's uh, programmed, programmed to defense. defense, yeah, to defend Queel. So, I'm, yeah, sh- I'm so. sure. I'm sure that will, which is going to be interesting when we talk about the ending. Yes, for sure. So, you know, and and they did. I actually thought that was a little odd. I I didn't I didn't dislike it, but it was kind of a long scene in which they were showing. Uh, the yeah, IG11 sort of rehabilitate. It, I mean, it was it was kind of cool, but it just seemed like a like a little long. I did. I thought that too, but then part of me was like. Maybe this is a setup because as the series progresses, this droid's going to be a lot more integral than we think. Perhaps, yeah. And that, and that could very well be. But yeah, and it, it was a cool scene, though. I, I did like it. was some funny bits where, uh, you know, he dropped the crate on, on like a lizard. <laughs> and, the then, <laughs> and then next time, he, like, he, he taught him, you know, to uh, kind of shoo the lizard away before he dropped it. So there was some fun stuff there. And, and this is where I'd like to give, once again, the good thumbs up to the lovely Miss Chow and her directing abilities. There's just the way she cuts scenes is, you know, how, how directionally involved with the editing she is. Yeah. Uh, the way the scenes are cut in her episodes, like when they're showing how IG-11 is learning how to pick up objects again and he keeps breaking the fucking cup. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, when they finally show that he's got it the cut shot is him holding that cup and not breaking it. And then it cut shots to him handing the tea to Kara. It's like just the way this the show is edited together at points is really well done. And yeah. I like those little things like that. Yeah. And I, I think to go back to your point earlier, I think, I think the, you know, I think everyone did a great job of directing in this, but I think the standout is definitely uh, Deborah Chow so far. Absolutely. Well, let's give it to uh, the guy whose name we can't uh, pronounce ever properly, uh, who directed the... Uh, the Rick Fumiyua. <laughs> didn't he do two and that one? He's done two as well. He did The Prisoner and didn't he do an earlier episode? Yeah, he did, he did, uh, he did two and he did six. Okay, yeah, two. So, yeah, so props to him, too, because also I like yeah. the way he edits his, his sequences together as well. Yeah, for sure. And they, and to be fair, it's possible they could have had the same editor working on all the episodes. So That's very possible, actually, yes, but still. But I, I do like the way that, that Deborah Chow highlights action and, and, you know, and I think that... The way she does action is really nice. Like, yeah. I like her camera, camera angle choices for scenes are really nice. Yeah. So this is definitely another standout episode from from a directorial uh, point of view as well and visuals in general yeah yeah and then uh next we have uh, the mando comes up to quill who's feeding the um the porgs 
Oh, not the Porgs. I'm sorry. Jeez, the Blurgs. <laughs> say, there's not Porgs in this, I got man. Por- I got Porgs on the brand, apparently. Um, well, go get some medication. <laughs> porgs in a blanket. <laughs> Ooh. Hey, Diamond, can that go on the menu? I'll be over in 20. <laughs> so this is when uh, Mando comes up and approaches Queel about helping out. I've run into some problems. I figured as much. Why else would you return? I want to hire your services. I'm retired from service. I can pay you handsomely, Ognat. I have a name. It is Quill. I need someone to protect the little one, Quill. I'm not suited for such work. I can reprogram my J-11 for nursing and protocol. No. I don't want that droid anywhere near him. Why are you so distrustful of droids? It tried to kill him. It was programmed to do so. Droids are not good or bad. They are neutral reflections of those who imprint them. I've seen otherwise. Do you trust me? From what I can tell, yes. Then you will trust my work. IG-11 will join me. And we do it not for payment but to protect the child from imperial slavery. None will be free until the old ways are gone forever. Okay. And the Blurgs will join me as well. The Blurgs? I have spoken. (laughs) Again, probably the best performance of Nick Nolte's career. That his career? Yeah, I'm just saying, dude, his delivery of those lines, and to be quite honest, it's been the most potent dialogue ever really delivered in this show on the sort of that, you know, level, an existential level, if you will, about this character was, you know, he's, you know, his whole life was turned upside down by being in slavery under the imperial rule. And now that he's free, he's attempting to sort of make inroads. And just, this is the second time in this, or the first time of two times in this episode where you'll hear him say like, you know, don't put down what it is that I do. You know, him saying, I know what I did to IG-11. They're just an imprint of those who fucking, you know, create, if you will. And, you know, he makes that same thing again to Kara later when, when Kara fucking kind of goes up against him about, you know, as we'll talk about, but it's just a nice delivery of this character's personality for good reason in this episode yeah. too, I might add. And and he's fully fleshed out. Like that's the thing I love about it and that you just had, had sort of touched on is, you know, he co- always comes back like uh, servitude is sort of what defines him in, in a sense. And he always sort of revolves around that. And there's a, there's a line coming up later. I, I, I think I might've had a clip for it, but well, he, he basically talks about, um, you know, I, 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 I did three human years of, uh, or three human lifetimes of, of servitude to get my freedom, you know, or the uh, clearest clan, actually, I think. He says oh yeah. Yeah. For his clan. You're right. Yeah. yeah. So freedom for his clan. So for him, like this is everything. And that's why he was so, uh, you know, so happy that the Mandalorian basically got the child because it gave him what he finally wanted, even though he had his freedom he truly wasn't he needs free. Purpose. Yeah. Yeah. He needs purpose to have his true freedom. Yeah. And so now, you know, the Mandalorian, it, he, he kind of floats the idea of, you know, watch the child and he's, he's not doing it out of servitude. He's, he's doing it, you know, cause he doesn't want money, but he's doing it out of 
sort of to make sure that child doesn't have the life he had to live. Yes, exactly. And that's, and that's, and that's exactly what's going on here. And, and that's why it drives every decision that he makes essentially. And it's just so that's well, why I'm saying the writing in this show, when they do these character biopics, either through a monologue or through a story being told about them is so clear. This is, this is where Filoni's hand comes in. Cause this is what you get in clone wars and rebels. There's a lot of backstory to history and lore that is given through monologues and, and quick little brief discussions about yeah. something. So this is what I love about the show is you're getting so much in such a short time. They give you so much and it doesn't feel forced or sped through or, you know, it, it feels like it's organic to the episode. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's, I think it's great. And, and it's, it's no more evident. I, they do, a, they do it a lot, but it's no more evident than what they do with Quill. Like he is the, like, so perfect. Quill is this, he's the spiritual component to this entire saga. Yeah. That which, you know, he, he's the old native American, you know, chief slash, uh, you know, ranger, you know, scout kind of thing, all rolled into one character. Yep. Yeah, I would t- totally agree with that. So, you know, after this, they they board the, the Razor Crest with, with the Blurgs. <laughs> They're in like... That a, was actually funny. I was yeah. trying to get the dimensions in my head. I was like, what, what part of the ship is this? Yeah, this is a makeshift pen that they have created. <laughs> and at this moment... Uh, you know, I think they're they're just having a little fun. Mando and Kara are arm wrestling. Yep, which was and, a nice scene. Like like Dynamo said earlier, it's sort of showing that well, they're buddies. You know, yeah, we've had limited time to show that they've known each other in a past life. So you know, it's kind of neat to have these building blocks. Yeah, and so something interesting happens in this scene. I got you, Mando. Care to double the bet? <laughs> No, 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 stop! We're friends, we're friends! Kara is my friend! That is not okay! Very curious. Curious? It almost killed me! The story you told me of the Mudhorn now makes more sense. What is it? What it is, I don't know. But what it does, this, this I've heard rumors of. What? When you worked for the Empire? When I was sold to the Empire in indentured servitude. Yet somehow you walk free. I bought my freedom through the skill of my hands and the labor of three of your human lifetimes. Do not cast doubt upon that of what I am, nor whom I shall serve. Tell you what, I could really use your craft work right now. Can you pad this container so the child can sleep better? I shall fabricate a better one. Then perhaps this dropper can see how one can win their freedom with the skill of one's hand. <laughs> nice little dig at the end there. <laughs> yeah. And I just want to say that not watching it and the disembodied sounds that Taro was making uh, did funny things to my pants. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> hope- yeah, there was like 30 seconds of her just going, <clears throat> and I'm like, all right, this is going to be, uh, yeah, we got to end this podcast now, Johnny. Do you want me to replay that? Right? I'm, making- <laughs> I'm making home fries. I'm making home fries. <laughs> I gotta shake him. I gotta shake him. I'm still here. 
Well, I'm making tater tots. <laughs> With extra mayonnaise. <laughs> <laughs> hey. That's, that's that's what you folks use in uh, Canada, right? <laughs> to dip your tater tots in? No, that's a European thing, man. I, I scoff at people who do that. I'm like, oh, okay. get away from me, you foul beast. That's disgusting. <laughs> My wife does that, though. She looks at me knowing that it drives me crazy. But yes, I don't I don't get that at all. I'd rather <laughs> have blue milk. <laughs> but uh, so interesting here. The first thing is the force choke. Now... There's a couple couple schools of thought. Number one, uh, the child thought Carr was hurting Mando, right? Like as as a you know like a a dog or a child. I mean, I guess a child wouldn't act, but a dog might bark or or get defensive if someone was hurting its owner. Right? If my dog force chokes me later tonight, I'm fucking gonna be wigged the fuck out first. And secondly, <laughs> I'm gonna come to your house for putting that thought in his head. <laughs> Well, he force he force masturbates so. Oh, <laughs> if he would do it with the force, I'd be more impressed. <laughs> Mars is making a home prize. Listen to this shit. <laughs> Sorry, Aunt Lovely, whoever you are, that I gotta be PG thirteen fortune. Sorry. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah. So, or the other thing, like. I guess it just was a focus, but there was like an almost like a slightly evil tinge to the child's eye when he was choking. Like well, this is this is what I was wondering because, like you said, there's two schools of thought on this. The school of thought I had about this, even though I was leaning more to the fact that he thought he was defending the Mandalorian because the Mandalorian has defended him, um, which is you know part of a logic that would you know come into play even if he is mentally a child that he would think well this 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 guy has protected me so i will protect it but i i was also wondering if maybe if he is cognizant to the situation around him was he helping the mando win the bet oh that's and that's a good point it could be that he was either yeah i mean maybe he maybe he knew enough to to help win the bet or maybe he wasn't even trying to necessarily hurt kara for for seemingly hurting the Mandalorian. But yeah, maybe right. maybe he was just in on the uh trying to help out. Much with yeah. the him looking May, maybe uh, also ship, maybe you know? she's gonna end up being uh, a Rudo and he, he knows but can't communicate it. That was what I'm wondering. So I her. Well, oh, I mean I, I suppose that's possible. I don't I don't see that happening, but I mean anything's possible at this point, you know. Uh, maybe they're you know maybe uh <laughs> You know, you're gonna only write this show. You don't really know. Yeah, yeah, and maybe the rebel thing is a, is a is is a ruse, but I doubt it. But you know, you never know. I don't think so. Yeah, I think she's a little deep rooted into her philosophy. But yeah, that was that was a pretty interesting scene, and then you know we get the whole part about Queel sort of talking about uh, servitude and and you know kind of getting getting his freedom once again, and sort of like a little dig at at Car, even though. He was hitting on her earlier. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, and with with the child, like I said, this is going to be very interesting to see when the final episode plays out. What you know, revelation we're going to get about this? Because, like you said, he obviously has the wherewithal to know that he can, you know, not touching in that spoiler territory, but do that other thing. This is the second time he's attempted to do that, so he obviously is aware yeah, of his yeah. force powers. Yes, yeah, for sure, and. And and th- I think now that you mention, I think you might be right. I think I think the child was just trying to help 
Mando win the bet because later on, you know, like in just a few moments here when we talk about it, we we get, you know, we're not too sure about grief and motivation. Either, yeah, his motivation, and you would think that if motivation had anything, had anything to do with it, that the child may not be too crazy about grief. So. So yeah, so it probably probably was just because he was trying to help him win the bet. I think that's probably which once again alludes to the fact that he is maybe a little bit smarter than we than he gets credit for. Which rolls back to the whole piloting thing. Was he trying to misdirect the ship, or was he just yeah. out there tinkering, pushing buttons? Yep. I th- I, yeah. I, it's and I'm sure you know it'll be uh, all will be illuminated. The child's motives are very ambiguous. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure all will be illuminated uh, after episode eight, or some, anyways. But um, yeah, so th- hope so. Yeah, so they land. They're on uh, back on Navarro, and they meet up with uh, Grief and his 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 uh, bounty cronies. And basically, the pl- you know they kind of go over the plan a little bit, and they decide that it's it's too late. They're going to camp out, and they're going to go first thing in the morning to back to the the main the main city, I guess you could say. And so while they're while they're camping out, they're attacked by. I mean, they look like dragons. I know they're not dragons, but I don't know. At if, first, I thought they were really large minox, but after seeing their face, they're obviously not suction cups. So yeah, yeah, that's and that's what I thought too. Like something like the the minox, right? Some indigenous and airborne dragon something. So I don't think they're mythosaurs, though, right? Like, no. yeah, mythos much larger and yeah no they didn't have the or anything like that so there's a there is a dragon type species let me see yeah i don't think this was well, it there's crate dragons but that wasn't it no no yeah that definitely wasn't a crate <laughs> crates are fucking no. huge as we know yep yeah i don't think this is it but there's a a basiliskin um looking at wikipedia which is a lizard type species that can fly but i don't i don't believe that was it so we uh i think we'll just have to uh oh you know what's funny is uh they were mentioned in star wars galaxies but never actually appeared the basilica uh basiliskin yeah yeah that's interesting interesting so, so yeah, so they get at- they get attacked and they do take them out, but uh, grief suffers a pretty fucking gnarly wound. Uh, yeah, that apparently isn't just a wound; it's got poison, poison as well. Yeah, and it's quickly spreading. Kara is, is pretty quick to assess the situation and realizes that it's spreading fast, and it's almost like it's one of those situations where you probably got to lop off the arm to to save him. <laughs> right. <laughs> Actually, we we missed one little we missed one little point when they were uh, around the campfire before the attack happened, when uh, Quill is feeding uh, the child, and <laughs> Grief makes that one comment. is like, ah, carnivore, and then that comes into play now. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, what do you say? Is he trying to eat me? <laughs> He's trying to eat me. <laughs> <laughs> I should have got that clip, but I, I forgot about that part. Yeah, that needs to be a quick button for every show when somebody <laughs> says something stupid. He's trying to eat me. Yeah, exactly. So the yeah, so the child comes up and sees the the wound and places his hand on grief's wound and and fucking force heals him. Well, and Kara first is like get that thing away from him, and Quill's like, no, wait, let's yeah. see what it's gonna do. Yeah, yeah, well, he can't can't make it any worse, right? <laughs> that's, that's what grief's like. He's trying to eat me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, that's the thing is like we get 
Which, again, as I said earlier, he alluded to when the Mando was fucked up defending him against the Trandoshans on uh, Quill's planet earlier in Chapter 2. Um, so he attempted to do it, but he kept picking him up and putting him back in the bassinet. But, you know, it, I knew that's what he was trying to do. You know, yeah, so yeah. this is neat. That, you know, it's the second time we've alluded to it, and this time we get to see it happen. Yeah, so it was, it was, uh, that was definitely a cool scene. And, and it was a turning point because very shortly after this, we find out that grief was actually going to double cross Mando, but because of what happened, he just, he couldn't do it. Like he wanted, he saw what, what the child, the child could do. saved his life. Yeah. So yeah. At yeah. that point, he's not going to send the child off to Imperial means after that. Cause you know, I think, at the, you know, this is them pointing out that at the end of the day, grief is a he's not a scumbag like he does have a a moral compass to a certain extent yeah yeah he does i mean that's kind of thing i guess if you're the leader of i mean they have their their you know the bounty guild code and so you know he lives up to a code but when you see something like that like something miraculous miraculous yeah uh, you know like it kind of changes your perspective on things and I, I love Plus setting up a reminder to everybody that even though there were, was Luke, Vader, and the Emperor all happening during the original trilogy, nobody had ever seen a Jedi. There's there generations who never saw a Jedi before. The Jedi were gone, right. gone extinct. For and you know, people, you know, as old as Quill was, they were still rare to see. Only stories, much like Mandalorians, as he explains. Yeah. <laughs> so, of course, the child heals grief. And, uh, yeah, but I love that scene when sort of they're getting close to the city and grief is like, okay, well, this is, this is it, you know? And then all of a sudden he puts his hands on his guns and then before Kara and the Mandalorian could even react, he's killed the two bounty hunters, the two, the two spins around. Yeah. Yeah. Which I thought was cool because, like, he was so fast. That's the episode that should have been called The Gunslinger just for that moment alone because you see Grief as a badass, dude. Yeah. And and he was so fast that they didn't even have time to react. So even if they were going for, you know, for them, and they're, and they're hardened warriors, you know, like we have the Mandalorian. Grief got and, the drop on them, yeah. Yeah. So I thought that that was, that was pretty interesting. And, you know, he so he basically took out the – the two guards and and then at this point Kara didn't trust him because he said we were about to we were going I was going to double cross you but I you know after what happened last night I decided not to and this is what's right. going to happen so Kara is very suspicious <laughs> right and you know but they basically they they come up with a plan and they say okay like I'll I'll bring you in I'll give you to the client you shoot him you'll one chance shoot him and at this point the Mandalorian tells uh, told, tells Quill to take him back to the Razorcrest and uh, lock up the ship and put it in defense mode or something like that. And we we gloss over this briefly, but yeah, that it was a cool little fucking bassinet that Quill created for the child too. By the way, oh yeah, he didn't work. So yeah, so like he gives, armored. He gives, right. So yeah, he gives the child to Quill, but they use the uh, the you know Trojan horse, if you will, the empty bassinet. Yep, wheeled into town, and they use the old fun, famous Star Wars MacGuffin here, where it's like, "How are we gonna get in?" Don't worry, Chewie. I know what he's got. I know what he's thinking. So, yep. Yeah, cuff me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So yeah, he puts the Mando in cuffs, and they're like, "All right, let's go." And this was a great scene when they approached the town too, because we got to see something we haven't seen in a while, and it made me happy. Uh, 
scout troopers. Oh, the scout troopers. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. And they ask for um, they ask for Grief's uh, chain code, and they run it, and you know, find out he's cool. They let him pass, and you know, he keeps one of the things he 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 kept telling uh, Mandalorian and Car that there'd only be four stormtroopers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the other quick little note too. The other quick little note too is Queel said it to uh, Kara too. Is like you know her her stripes and her army is like you better cover that up before you go wandering into that town. <laughs> oh right, right. Yeah, because the you know obviously the the stormtroopers would know immediately what that was. Yeah. So because and so. yeah, Quill knew that she was a dropper because of her tattoo. Right. Exactly. So anyway. Yes, this was a great plan, and seeing scout troopers made me all elated. I was like, yeah. "Yay!" And we get that cool, like, kind of low, um, low angle where as they're walking into town, you know, like that kind yeah. of like long wide shot of them walking in. And yeah, so they talk to the scout troopers. Uh, it's a cool give scene. Me twenty bucks for the helmet. Yeah, give me give me twenty credits for the helmet. Are you kidding me? <laughs> It's going on my wall. Yeah, yeah. Twenty credits. That was uh, actually uh, when I was at uh, when I was at the bar the other night talking to the chef who watches the show too. He was like, "If the motherfucker order offered me twenty credits for that, I'd be like, son, you must be joking. You better add a couple of zeros on that yeah. before you even think about it.' Yeah, no shit. <laughs> so, and at this point, they go to where the client is, and you can tell he's he seems like he seems different. There's something different about him. He seems almost kind of like very. I don't know about nervous, but very antsy. He's like, and yeah. he's like, seems relieved to see uh, Mandalorian, and he's not even mad. Like he doesn't even seem mad. So this is this is the the scene where where um, the Mandalorian comes in uh, and grief presents the Mandalorian to the client. Look what I brought you, as promised. What exquisite craftsmanship. It is amazing how beautiful Beskar can be when forged by its ancestral artisans. Can I offer you a libation to celebrate the closing of our shared narrative? I would be obliged. Our shared narrative. <laughs> I love it. First of all, was that not the creepiest hand gesture when he's yeah. talking about how beautiful the army is? It's like oh, they couldn't be. Werner Herzog is a jewel in this fucking show. Yeah, I'm sad about Werner Herzog. <laughs> oh yeah, we're definitely gonna get there. Yeah, but it, yeah, I thought that that was uh, that was a great scene. It was really, it was creepy where he puts his hand up to the Mando's mask and he's like, you know, Beskar is so beautiful when crafted by <laughs> its ancestral artisans. <laughs> yeah, right, dude. This fucker delivers lines like nobody else, man. When they went for a creepy imperial guy, they nailed it. Yeah, it, he's it, like his. He was so good in this. Like every line of dialogue he delivered was like perfect. So oh, yeah. th- this is this is such a such a great scene, and then and then all of a sudden the stormtroopers uh, call out and you know and tell uh, the client that he has a call as you know a hollow transmission, and they pull it this out. Is, uh, I just want to pull it out. Pull out. There's, this is a funny 
comedic callback they did during this whole sequence of events when they're walking into the town and car makes so much like you thought you said there was four of them. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, there's four around him. And then they get into the fucking place and yeah. Carl Weathers looks around. There's four troopers. So he looks at it, He's like, see, told you four. And then more walk in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was fantastic. <laughs> and, and that's just one of those subtle sort of running jokes that it, it's, it's not necessarily funny, it's not intended to be like a punchline, but it's it's one of those like situational, Levity yeah, situation, yeah, yeah. It was it was good, it, and you know, just sort of they called attention to it a few times, and it, and yeah, I really dug that. But these are the building blocks. If this is going to be a team going forward in the series, which seems to be that these are the main, you know, obviously from the posters, it's Cara, Mando, Carl Weathers, and IG Eleven. So this looks like this is going to be the crew. So it's neat to have the small touchstone building blocks as they go through the main body of the story. Yeah. Well, and Quill, yeah, and Quill had, uh, you know, was on one of the posters as well. Um, so yeah, at this point. The client gets a call from Moff Gideon, and uh, I, I can't, well, yeah, first time we've seen Moff Gideon, so it's cool seeing him in 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 you know in a hollow transmission at first. Actually, let's yeah, the, yeah, I thought, yeah, I'm jumping ahead. Go ahead, the hollow transmission was nice. Yeah, I don't remember the all the contents of it, but it's pretty much. You know, and then I'll, oh, there's. He just I, says, "I'm coming to take possession of the uh, of the asset." asset. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yep. And then all of a sudden, there's like gun. Sh- oh, and and the Mandalorian gets the uh, his gun handed to him from grief and takes the cuffs off. So they're getting ready. And then as they're preparing, all of a sudden there's a hail of of fire from outside the can the the cantina. And it just rips our boy Werner right through, man. I yeah. was so fucking shocked that it just happened like that. I was like, wow, no buildup. They just took him the fuck down. Yeah, it was it was almost nonchalant because it was right after the call, uh, you know, the hollow transmission. And then, boom, cut down. And all this, I think this all the stormtroopers as well were cut down. So and stormtroopers, everybody in there who wasn't ducking for cover, which is our heroes, fucking got wasted. So at this point, our our heroes uh, sort of take cover and then look out into you know where the fire was coming from, and sure enough, fucking death troopers. Right, that was exciting because I was like, "Wow, we got some next level shit going down now." So, one quick thing: there was some I had I had sort of had a discussion with with somebody. The death troopers. I don't know. I'm sure Alberta would would be able to fill us in a, a, a little bit on this one, but. The Death Troopers weren't clones, right? So these were these are post. Uh, they're just elite. They're sort of like the Green Beret Commando. They 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 protect the higher ups. So much like the the Crimson Guard protects the Emperor, these are sort of the retinues that accompany high level dignitaries. That's why uh, Krennic had them in Rogue One. Yeah, yeah. So that was the only other time we've seen them in a film or you know a live action, I should say. Right. So yeah, it was great seeing them, and it, it totally made sense. And then all of a sudden, we get the fucking. Uh, Imperial fighter. No, well, before that, the Imperial transporter. Oh, dude, that toy. The and toy. This was, I, yep. I wanted to bring this up because you, having not watched him, that motherfucking thing shows up in Rebels, like in the very first episode. Yep. They showed that, and I was when I first saw that on Rebels, I lost my mind. So when it happened in this episode, dude, I was like, "Get this is Filoni. This is Filoni because <laughs> he loves the toys. All the yeah. old toys and quarry designs show up in every single animated thing he does. So I love this. I, yeah, I loved it too. I love seeing it. You know, it, it's funny. I don't. I don't think I ever had that toy, but I always wanted it. I know a friend of mine. I did. did. Yeah, and like, 
it was one of those things. I mean, you could put all your stormtroopers in there, and you know, but it was cool seeing yep. them live action. It was really fucking awesome. Well, so, what was really neat was like, uh, you know, th- it never appeared in any of the films. It was a toy that was made from a drawing that was never in any of the films. So uh, seeing it live action and not only seeing, you know, because the toy just had the little doors you could sit one trooper behind, seeing the actual doors behind it open and troops rush out of the whole thing was fucking awesome. Yeah, no, it was really badass. So I love that. And then, yes, and then we all of a sudden see a TIE fighter coming in from, you know, from the atmosphere. Uh, beginning yeah, beginning his descent, yeah. and then yeah. the the wings. So then you know, I wanted, then they I, sort then of. Are you gonna talk, Mars? Like, I can't. Really, you know, Ash. Oh, there we go. Okay, muted. <laughs> so the uh, Tie Fighter, the wings start to bend, sort of outward. And I've never seen a TIE fighter like this. Have you, Rock? Have you seen anyone in any of the animated or anything? I think I lost Rocky. If you're talking Rock, I can't hear you. Oh, sorry. I've never seen anything like that, Wolfie, in anything at all. And um, uh, my initial thought was obviously like the only TIE fighter variants, you know, the most, the most, the most famous TIE fighter variants belongs to like a really heavy hitter villain right you know so like like i stood up in like some sort of weird nerd fear as soon as that started to like change (laughs) well there's never there's never been a um sorry i had my mic muted when you asked me earlier so i explained this (laughs) but uh to my knowledge, there's never been any in the animated. Uh, Alberto knows uh, a little more about the animated sometimes, so maybe he's seen one. But most every time we've ever seen a TIE fighter, they've all been hanging from a hangar. They've never been, I don't think, landed on. Well, no, on the hangar decks of uh, Star Destroyers, there's a few sitting with you know their panels you know, in regular state. So this was really kind of neat, but it really kind of worked, too. It's like, well, of course, that makes sense. Yeah, for landing on a planet, totally. So I don't know. I don't think it's a feature that that we just have never seen before. I, I just happen to think it might have been something with Moff Gideon's uh, his personal tie fighter. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which it's, is cool if it's his design is something neat and new. But it to- like you said, it totally seems. Of course, why not? Yeah, yeah. So it, that was that was really badass. Just seeing that and the way it like, and then it sort of like had like the landing gear as well. Uh, so yeah, it was it was such a badass scene. And then he comes out, walks up, and then he starts a, a little soliloquy that will 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 play to sort of uh, wind down the episode here. You have something I want. Who's this guy? You may think you have some idea of what you are in possession of, but you do not. Quill, are you back to the ship yet? They're on to us. Quill, come in. In a few moments, it will be mine. Quill, do you copy? Quill. It means more to me than you will ever know. Quill, are you there? Come in, Quill. Quill, come in. Quill, are you there? Do you copy? 
<laughs> so there's a lot that happened there. So obviously we have this this sort of uh, you know speech by Moff Gideon, basically talking about the importance of the child, and you know his delivery was was great too. I love it's kind of like swarmy, like almost sarcastic. You know? Yeah, he's he's definitely you can tell he's been a man in power, and he's just purely there through any means necessary to get what he's there for and leave this fucking place. Yeah. And and by the way, the this version of the TIE Fighter is called the Outland TIE Fighter. Nice. So that's just uh and it has its uh, wings folded out into a V shape so it can land, you know, down on the ground like that. I it makes sense. Apparently some people don't like it, but I I, I don't know, like I think it's fucking It makes sense badass. if it's unstable terrain, right? Because yeah. if the panels don't move, you're gonna be cockeyed if you land on a table. At least if you have landing gear, they can adjust for the surface. Yeah. So, you know, cool. We get a cool thing from, from off Gideon. And then, you know, there's this really kind of tense scene. They keep cutting back to, uh, cutting from off Gideon to Queel and Queel is being chased by those scout troopers we saw earlier on their speeder bikes. And because they, they intercept a uh, transmission between Mando and Queel. And yeah. so they head out to try to this track down a, Queel. This was a tense scene. I like when they do this, when they build the tension through just showing the peril and, dress, yeah. you know, they keep cutting back to the Mando scene and then cutting to the speeders, you know, getting closer. It was tense. Tension was at a moment there for sure. Yeah. And, and then as like, he can see the razor crest is just beyond the horizon. He has it in sight. And then they cut away, and then when they cut back, uh, the child is on is on the ground, and then we cut to Queel, who looks to have uh, perished with a blaster bolt in his back or something like that. He looks like there's a little bit of smoke coming off of him, and yeah, he right. looks he looks like he's done. Yeah, which is which is sad as fuck. <laughs> yeah, because once again, the thing that killed him was trying to help someone avoid servitude and you know and he gets gunned down by the right. empire there's you know definitely which to be fair if he is actually dead it's going to add a lot to the uh the mandalorian's uh code you know and sort of you know what builds his character as the series progresses is he's going to always feel yep. you know, obligated to the the old man that once helped him yeah and we also may get a a an additional not i mean not that there's any he has any love loss for the empire but uh, some additional hatred towards the Empire, I would imagine, for that. It's not going to help. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely not. <laughs> so yeah, this is this is where this this is where this series once again has done a great job of building characters and giving you an emotional tie to characters. So when things like this do happen, you get the proper response when watching the show. This show does this really well, which was also what Floney did with Rebels and Clone Wars. To be fair, this is just good story architecture going on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And this is the first time that we get we end an episode on a cliffhanger. I mean, it, it obviously makes sense because uh, the next episode is the last of the season. But you know, to this point, we've had all the stories come kind of wrap up neatly, and you know, but this one definitely ends on a, a down down note and a cliffhanger. Yeah, because as a wise man, Randall once said, or uh, Dante once said, "Life is just a series of down notes, man." <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. But uh, 
but yeah, no, this is, this is, you know, once again, <laughs> there's a great meme floating around. I was like, how the fuck can I enjoy the holidays when I know baby Yoda's in danger? It's like, it does leave you with this like, oh crap, he's in the hands of scout troopers now. Now here's an interesting thing that was posted to me the other night at the bar was, uh, we didn't actually see any engagement of fire exchange. So maybe IG's programming, maybe this would be an interesting twist is IG not showing up as a hero, but that he's reverted to his fucking old programming and he's as fucking Queel approached the ship. IG took him out. It's possible. It's certainly possible. I I, I would hate for that to be the case, but somebody did pose that question, you know, Uh, my, my, my thinking is he definitely was shot down by one of the, the scout troopers. Yeah. And we also may have, I mean, we don't know where IG-11 was. It's possible that he saw it and maybe he's about to take out the the scout troopers. So, yes. you know, so that's a possibility. But my thinking is that we'll get that sort of like we had that downer ending. It's going to begin, you know, on that sort of downer when, when it, it seems like all hope is lost. Right. Like that's that's sort of where we're going to be heading. And I think that Moff Gideon will be in possession of the child. And I think that I think Mandalorian, Kara, and Grief are going to have to to basically like you know shoot their way out of this. And they have a squad. Oh, that's of, a definite. <laughs> they have a squad of Death Troopers. Uh, you know, a, a whole squad of Stormtroopers, and then Moff Gideon's Tie Fighter all trained right on the, uh, you know, on the uh, Cantina. So, actually, what would even be better is if they go the you know, proper direction with IG-11 is like, they're just like in the pin down death is imminent situation. We're going to get that elated moment where fucking IG-11 shows up pissed off because Quill's been murdered. <laughs> He's just going to wreck the entire town. It's possible. <laughs> the other thing that's possible is we don't know where the Mandalorian's clan went. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true, too. Paz Vizsla and the boys could fucking make a return, which would be super awesome. So, I mean, that is a possibility. We we don't know if they relocated to another planet. Maybe they're a different part of Navarro. Maybe they went back to their place and, and were able to, I, to live I'm low. a little I'm a little gray on how much time has passed since Chapter 1 in this. I don't know how long he's been on the run. I'm a bit vague on it. So, uh, do you know? Uh, I do not. My my guess, because if you think about it, when did he leave? He left uh, at the end of uh, episode th- uh, episode three was when he left Navarro, right? Yes. And so when they're on when on the planet, I can't remember the name of the planet, but where they Sanctuary met. Sanctuary they were for a few weeks. For yeah, because sure. they were there for a few weeks. So my guess is it's been maybe a couple couple months at the, at, okay. at the least, maybe maybe a few. All right. So that's what I was thinking too, but I couldn't remember any dialogue off the cuff of my head. Yeah. So I mean, there, there's a bunch of ways this could go. I mean, obviously, the one thing is we get we get things starting on a down note. We know where things are beginning. Uh, and in chapter eight, it's going to be directed by Taika Waititi, which I'm very excited yes. about. Yes. Oh, dude. Yes. So yes. we got that going for us. I hope we get. Wouldn't it be great if it was. Wouldn't it be great if it was less Thor Ragnarok, which is what we're all expecting, and it was more like things we do in the shadows. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think we'll be getting that. <laughs> uh, but it'd be funny though. But I, you know, I'm. I, I hope this. I also hope this episode is is an hour or something because I want to yes. see an extended an extended episode and. 
it would make sense too. Like if you're going to give us the 30 to 40 minute cereals all year, all, you know, all season long, give us the big, give us a big ending each season. That would be a smart thing for them to do that. You know, the finale of each season is going to be an epic piece. Yeah, it's got to be. I mean, I mean, the things that I'm, I'm thinking we might see, we're going to find out more about the child. We're going to find out what, what the race is. Uh, I think that will be revealed. I think we we'll, might find out a name potentially of the child. And I also feel just because they've been teasing it, I think the, I think we're going to see the Mandalorian without his, without his helmet as well. Do you? I've been wondering about that, but I think if they do, they'll wait longer. I, I think mean, I hope, I hope so, but it seems like, you know, almost every episode has had a dig at it. And that's why I wonder. And I think if he does take it off, it's, it's because it's a life or death situation where maybe someone else is going to wear the armor and then, and because they, they don't know what he looks like. Right. Right. So he might just be a regular dude. So that's what I'm thinking. We might see a situation like that, or we could see a situation where, he's unmasked, you know, where Moff Gideon makes him take off the mask or does it for him or something like that. So, well, my philosophy about what the series is going to be about is, as I said before, through the, through, there's always been a Mandalore who has unified all the clans. And I think this is what we're seeing is this, this legendary hero rise to prominence in, in the, in the birth of everything that moves forward, he will eventually rise to being Mandalore. And I think once he's Mandalore, he'll restructure all the rules. And I think that the helmet being off thing is going to be not so stringent at some point. I just don't think they're going to yeah. do it at the end of the first season. Yeah. And you know, it could very well be my, my call is he's, there's probably going to be some plan that involves him having to take it off and someone else is wearing the armor to decoy. That's sort of my, right. my thinking. Maybe, I don't know. Kara might not fit. I mean, just because, you know, she's got a different body type, but I could see grief fitting in it potentially. Eh, the, the, little, the, the abdomen plates might stick out a little further. <laughs> I, I love Carl's, but you know, Carl's says what he's a seventy-something-year-old man now. Yeah, yeah. But Pot bellies happen, man. That's that's going to be my call. I think we're going to find out the race and the name of the child, and I think that this will be the the. I don't know if it'll be the end of the child's story, but I think that I think it will. Well, I mean, I think the child will pop up in future Star Wars things. I I think. Just because they're they're sitting on a, a gold mine here, so oh no, for sure. I'm just saying that I he won't be the integral plot piece. Like they may hold it over to finish it off in the first two episodes of season two, but at some point it'll be over. So like they might leave yes. us with a cliffhanger yep. for the first season that will take us into the first couple episodes of season two, where they completely you know show the handoff, which I still believe because Filoni's in charge, we're going to see either a Hera or an Ahsoka or one of his characters show up to take the child someplace safe. Yes, I, I do think that'll happen, and I think that will be the end. I think that'll happen in this episode. That's just my, my think, or uh, Chapter 8, I should say. That's just my thinking. Uh, but It'd I be think, neat if it does. But. Yeah, I think we'll get it wrapped up in, in this. But, you know, and then that way he could always go visit the child again if 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 they need to bring him back somehow in The Mandalorian. So. Well, 
I guess it depends on whether or not the boys knew guaranteed there was going to be a second season where they could do a cliffhanger. Like if they didn't know if there was, if it was going to go further than one season, we might get a good, big, happy ending with all the reveals and stuff, which by the way, if they do should guarantee us at least an hour long episode, Yeah, a lot of gaps to fill before Ex- that goes down. Exactly. So are there any other, do you have any other um, sort of theories or, or, or guesses as to what may happen in chapter eight? Uh, I'm going to guess that uh, Dynamo is going to be finished cooking and he's going to send us some goodies. <laughs> In time for Chapter 8? I hope so. <laughs> you get FedEx it, it'll be here tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. You have to go but, through uh, customs, though. Oh, uh, true. Yeah. Hmm. That puts a wrinkle in things. Um, honestly, dude, this is my, the show has been fantastic. Like it, knowing that Taika is doing the finale, I'm, I have big expectations because the show hasn't let me down so far. And, um, like you said, I would like to see certain things get hemmed up, but I think it would be if they knew they were getting a season two, which, you know, should have been a no brainer. Uh, then I think we'll get, questions answered but it's going to leave us in a major you know everybody's going to be talking about for the months to come waiting on the next season yeah what the fuck's happening here uh but i my feeling is definitely that if they knew there was a season two that's how it's going to end and we're going to get a couple of episodes in season two that are going to wrap everything up pleasantly yeah but, i think a lot definitely depends on that whether or not they knew they were getting the season two when they wrapped up season one so Right. Yeah, it'll it, so far I mean it's it's been it's been real good. I I my only if I had any complaint it would be that I wish uh episodes 4, 5 and 6 tied in a little bit more to the to the overall story. I I, I know they did uh, you know tangentially, but I think that they could have had better ties uh with those episodes as opposed to feeling like a kind of like a monster of the week style of of you know, of, of TV show. Cause I feel like, I don't know. I don't want star Wars to ever feel like it's, it's sort of just another show because this is the first time yeah. we've had a live action. So I, I, I wish that they raised the stakes a little bit, even though I love those episodes. So don't get me wrong. I, I like them all. Uh, some, some more I than others. You. I just wish they tied in a little bit more to the overall narrative that they're going for for the season. I felt that some of those episodes, and I know what you're talking about. Even one of my favorite episodes, you know, the 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 um, prison prisoner episode, seemed yep. a bit disjointed. But by the same token, uh, Filoni did this with Clone Wars and Rebels. Like you get the occasional episodes that's there just to decompress you from the other situations for a little bit, um, and to make it feel like a TV show, yeah, uh, yeah. sort of thing where you're going to get those little one-off episodes that are something interesting or humorous, you know, you get the funny episode. As long as they don't do a musical, we're good. Um, <laughs> but uh, am I still here? Yeah, you're still here. I did. just right. didn't laugh at your joke. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, nobody else does either, so we're good. Um, but yeah, I, I think that those were fine. And like I said, you're also establishing the fact that this is going to be a show. And shows yeah, will yeah. Do- and a lot of times too you'll think the episode doesn't have anything to do with it and then suddenly dude how shitty would it be if in the middle of the firefight in the final episode if fucking uh bill burr and the twi'lek and shit show up because they fucking crashed the transport and escaped and have been tracking his ass and now you got a fucking three-way going on in the town you know you never know so yeah, there's a lot yeah there's a lot that can happen we also have one thing we haven't even mentioned is uh, uh, Fennec Shand and whoever that character was that showed up at her seemingly dead body. Yes, that hasn't been disclosed yet, and 
Yeah, I mean, see, this is the beautiful. This is the beauty of the way they've been building a world. We have questions that you know are going to come back in an episode down the line. Yeah, that, you know, are going to be answered, and that's what's fun about. As much as I hate because I've been ruined by binge watching, as much as I hate waiting for a week for a fucking episode of this show, drives me insane. <laughs> um, it's it, it's building intensity, and it's building that uh, that, for lack of a better term, that water cooler discussion for people who watch the show. Because, like I said, when I go to the pub or whatever, the chef watches the show. So whenever I'm on break, we're out back having a smoke, and we're just like discussing the episode, you know. So you know, it's being talked about by a lot more people than you would expect. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think, and I think that. We could talk more about this in in chapter eight, but I really was. Uh, I'm I'm glad they decided to go um, with this method, the weekly method, as opposed to the binge, because I think that it kept it. it you know, anticipation. For yeah, sure. and I love. I just love. I don't. I, I hate waiting. Don't get me wrong, but I love the build up. It just makes it more gratifying. You know, and it's sad because I do get excited, like, you know, this being life day and everybody, you got to be excited for their presence. For me, my life day is going to be 3.30 in the morning on Thursday when the next episode, <laughs> I look forward to that because I'm usually up yeah. anyway. And I kind of enjoy having that gift every week. Oh you my know? God, like, I'm going I'm, I'm to wake up to Rocky like freaking out in the chat room. <laughs> <laughs> it uh, is pathetic and sad, Johnny. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so I'm looking forward happen. to that. Well, yeah. I think I think we should kind of wind things down here. You know, it is uh, it is Life Day. Uh, I think I think we might have we might have lost Mars to uh, Life Day celebrations and him making some yep. food. But uh, glad we were able to get this in and get some some chatter around uh, Chapter Seven because yeah, I'm really looking forward to Chapter Eight and looking forward to talking with you guys about it. So. Yeah, man, and uh, just not for seven hours ever again. No, no, I can't take I can't take you guys for more than five. <laughs> Dude, that's even too much for me. Yeah, and I, and it's, it's mostly because of myself. It has nothing to do with you guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> you just can't stand just, yourself for more than two hours at a time. Oh no, that's that's why I either sleep a lot or, or take a hallucinogens. <laughs> Well, we definitely Alberto was definitely missed on this episode, and uh, you know sure. he uh, he adds a lot, and I know there's a couple things he would have been able to add to this discussion, but uh, maybe you know we'll get him for next one, and uh, yeah, I enjoy one of his biggest points probably would have been <laughs> yeah, although the PG thirteen episode might have been interesting with uh, would, seeing how he reacted. That that would that would have just made the game harder to yeah. be fair. Yeah. Have to work in the confines. Wait, wait we, we, are we playing on story mode this week? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Alberto. This is a long distance inter interdimensional force ball kicking you just received. I hope somewhere, somewhere he's working and he's fucking just had to grab his nuts in the middle of the fucking work and collapse to the floor. <laughs> oh, shit. All right. Well, that's, I think that, I think that's it. So, yeah, uh, for sure. Happy Life Day, everybody. And, yes. Uh, We'll talk to you guys soon about the finale. Yeah, I guess, I guess we should probably, maybe next week, maybe before the next episode, we should actually talk about what we're doing once the Mandalorian ends. Are we going to keep things going or what? So, well, you know, we can we can always do part two of the Ri uh, Rise of Skywalker discussion. <laughs> Seven <No>. more hours. <laughs> <laughs> we'll break Rise of Skywalker 2, electric. What the fuck's wrong with you? Yeah, we'll break it down minute by minute. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Wow. All right, so until... I don't. I got the hash burn burn. <laughs> <laughs> Happy life day, Mars. We love you. Happy life day, buddy. 
All right, we'll see you guys next week as we talk about the finale, Chapter 8 of The Mandalorian. Bye now. Uh, All right. See you in a minute. Bye now. <laughs> <laughs> Mars leaves. That's it. That's the episode. <laughs>